and then we created a voicemail line so sellers could call into the voicemail line and leave their story on the voicemail uh, to generate more stories. Um, and that kind of puts the onus back on them, right? We're not like emailing them or cold calling them and asking them if they want to participate. It's like it's like a you know it's a, it's an absolute uh, opt-in uh, versus versus pushing toward them. Um, and we we generated beautiful stories and really powerful stuff. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast. My name is Anna Harak from Convincing Convert, filling in for the amazing Jay Bear. But of course, I am sitting here with the always wonderful Adam Brown. Adam, we have an amazing, amazing guest today, Nick DiMacchino, social media lead at Square. And we talk about a lot of big, amazing, wonderful things today. You're right, Anna. We just heard Nick talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that that they're doing at Square. You know, so oftentimes we and and social are. I don't want to call them table scraps, Anna, but we're we're, we're kind yeah. of stuck with using and leveraging all the great materials that that our other marketing communications brethren have created. But but Nick and Square have taken a little bit different track. They're creating purpose-built content for social. But the thing I really, really was fascinated about in this podcast is how Nick talks about how they're creating new devices to get content. We can't send crews out. It's harder to interview our customers. So they're doing things with telephone hotlines and voicemail and all these new innovative things pretty incredible stuff and and sometimes kind of low-tech stuff. This is not all like leading, bleeding edge, going back to Storytelling 101. Yeah, it's truly amazing some of the things that they're coming up with to tell their specific stories specifically for social. And I think we should absolutely let Nick get into that. But before we do, we have an amazing new download for you today from, of course, the wonderful people at Salesforce. So today, marketers face even bigger challenges stemming from a global pandemic. The COVID-19 crisis forces them to rethink pretty much everything, especially in a socially distanced world. The sixth edition of the State of Marketing Report from Salesforce presents the insights of nearly 7,000 marketing leaders across the globe. Their research highlights the strategic priorities, challenges, and technologies that transform the profession. These are especially important to consider as businesses navigate from crisis mode to back to work to growth. Download your free copy today at bit.ly slash new marketing report. That's bit.ly forward slash new marketing report. Nick DiMichino, social media lead from Square. It is great to have you on the social pros. Welcome on this interesting time that we experience here in uh, early summer 2020. How are things in Squarespace? Uh, uh, good. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, things are, things are going okay. Uh, we've, we've had to pivot a lot we've had to do it, you know, things a little bit differently, throw the playbook out the window, but we're, we're moving along. I can only imagine, certainly we've been doing a, a few shows, you know, during this, this time and just about every social pro is dealing with and, and reconciling with all of this. I think Square is in an interesting space in that you are probably very much, you know, impacted from a financial standpoint because you're, you, you provide services in the, in the financial arena, the technology space, which is also seen a little bit of, of, of turmoil and then just kind of branding 
101. We're all kind of dealing with this new way, this new normal, this way of interacting and communicating with our customers and our, our providers. I wanted to start out just and kind of ask you, A, how you structure your social team uh, there at Square. Uh, yeah, so my team is my team is very small. Uh, it's just me and one other person, uh, Nat Meyer, who uh, who uh, was brought on about um, a year and a half ago now. Uh, before that, I was by myself. Uh, I was the first I was the first hire at Square to do social media, uh, the first dedicated social person, um, and that was uh, that was back in 2015. Um, crazy to think that a company who has Jack Dorsey as their CEO didn't have a social person for six years, but, um, I welcomed the opportunity with open arms. Um, I, you know, I had kind of had my work cut out for me. It was always sort of a back burner job at square and, you know, someone on the comms team was handling it. Someone on the marketing team was handling it and it just, uh, didn't get the love, uh, you know, and, and, and attention that it not only deserves, but, uh, needs. Um, and you could see that, uh, you know, please don't scroll back that far, but you can see if you scroll back that far, uh, that, um, you know, it, it just wasn't uh, it just wasn't cared for uh, quite the same way. So, um, I came in, had to pretty much build everything from 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 the ground up. There was nothing. Uh, There's no foundational work done uh, really. Um, thankfully, all the channels with uh, at Square were reserved. That's like the best I could have hoped for at that point. Uh, not not to have to try to wrangle and um, you know create new channels that uh, sort of had weird um, usernames. But um, we had that, and and you know building the strategy from the top down. Um, you know from actually what are we trying to achieve but then also the content strategy um handled all that for probably three years or so uh you know before before i was able to grow the team a bit um and uh and you know with that we just we're just able to produce a bit more and do a little bit more deeper storytelling i want to double click on that nick because that is such an interesting idea of the first couple of years of, of square not having actually a social media uh, lead. And, and perhaps it's a little bit of the old adage, cobbler's kids sometimes go barefoot. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to take, make an assumption and I want to get your thoughts on it. So you have this company that is being led and managed by the legendary Jack Dorsey. You know, maybe was Jack considering the fact, you know, one of the things that we've seen here in social is how we've gone from really focusing just on social to now kind of becoming digital experts. And we've seen the industry kind of expand and grow in this space as well. This idea that you can't just be a social practitioner, you've got to be a digital and a communication and a marketing practitioner. Was Jack so ahead of his time in, in creation <laughs> of Square that he said, you know what, all marketers and communicators should be inherently social. And, and maybe that worked for the first couple of years, but then he realized how important and how critical social is to your future that, that he, he rolled this, uh, this role in. What, what are your thoughts? I'm not asking you to, um, to crawl into, inside of the head of your, uh, of your leader and your, and your, and your top-level manager, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't couldn't possibly pretend to do that even if none you asked of us me could. to. Uh, no, 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 none of us could. Um, the interesting thing about Square is uh, it exploded uh, when it first, you know, when, when when they first got going and they inv they invented an industry, right? Like it was it was a, an old antiquated thing that uh, they effectively um, created anew and and was able to um, was able to grow by 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 word of mouth um, and. Uh, 
the company didn't have a marketing team for a couple of years. Like there was just nothing. It, it was just word of mouth. It spread like wildfire. It got a lot of press. Um, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, it was Jack Dorsey. So it, it, a lot of press, former Twitter CEO, the whole thing, founder of Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where, where, uh, this was, this was low on the priority list. It was, it was, Hey, we need engineers. We need security people. We need people. We need hardware people. We need people to build the products. Um, and the focus was always, 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 always on the products, um, and always on the seller experience. Um, and it's still like that today. Uh, we've just matured as a company and uh, have, have built out those other parts of the business that uh, needed to be built out. So marketing and sales and uh, communications and uh, you know a, a whole a whole partnerships, like a whole bunch of other a whole bunch of other things. So um, I'm sure like the person to manage the Twitter account you'd think would be higher on the uh, you know on the on on the list to 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 bring in and hire, but, um, it, it just wasn't. And, and I'm, I'm laughing. I mean, you guys, you guys, uh, you know, uh, can't see me, but I'm laughing because, uh, it, it worked out for me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, it, that it wasn't a thing that, uh, you know, was, was something and was real until, until I saw the, saw the job listing and applied and, and, uh, you know, was able to, you know, was able to start and, um, you know, it's been great. It's, it's, um, uh, it's a great company. It's, it's a, you know, I feel like, a lot of tech. Um, it's a bad rap, and I think Square is one of the companies that is actually doing a uh, a you know a, a net positive uh, thing for the world. Um, and I, that's not just my opinion. I mean, I have uh, you know we visit with sellers all the time. The the, the folks that use um, Square services, we call them sellers or merchants, but. Um, you know, I've had folks that I've never met before. I tell them I work at Square and we show up to, you know, shoot photos or shoot video or something and them literally break down in tears and hug me, thanking me for this thing that helped their business grow. Um, and that is that is when I was like, I can't take credit for any of this, uh, but wow, like what whatever has been done, this this little tool that um, you know, was just this little plug and swipe reader, uh, you know, help them go from you know, cash only turning people away potentially, or the other side, um, having a traditional credit card terminal that, um, is, is gouging them, uh, with, with fees and contracts and all kinds of bad stuff that we, we try to, um, you know, we try to completely alleviate and, and, um, wipe away from them. So, uh, you know, the, the role was, was created. And, uh, fortunately for me, selfishly, I was able to, to secure it. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's absolutely changed my life. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm, pretty happy about that. So, uh, if Jack created the, uh, social lead role earlier, maybe I don't get it. And, uh, you know, my life is probably much different. So I'm on, I'm okay with how things worked out. I mean, I think, I think uh, the history will be very kind to, 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 to square because it is so transformational, uh, in terms of what it's done with, with with the exchange and money, we we talk about the evolution of barter and then printed currency. Square is going to be up there on that space. Anna, I, I think about you know what we're talking about here, uh, and it, it reminds me a lot a lot of what we hear about other startups around this time. Tesla, I think, is very similar in that Elon Musk said, you know what, we're not going to have a chief marketing officer. Uh, we're not going to do marketing for marketing sake. We're going to really capitalize on the, the goodwill and the buzz and the PR and the media that we know this, this new thing be it in that case, an automobile and, and, um, and, and Mr. Dorsey's uh, situation, uh, the, 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 the swipe device. Maybe this is the new normal. I, I mean, maybe I, I would, uh, you know, that that's something we could unpack a little bit. I think, uh, I think Elon, uh, 
for as intelligent and genius as he is, might not understand that everything he does is marketing. Uh, every time he tweets, it's marketing. So uh, no CMO, but I think he's the CMO maybe also. Uh, you know. I think they have a CMO now. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they do now. But even, you know, years back when he was like sort of touting that, um, you know, it's like when you when you tweet to your millions of followers on Twitter, uh, teasing a new product that's marketing that that's just that that's an ad <laughs> um and him using the reach in that way is, is super interesting and uh, helps the company for sure uh, and helps build that awareness and uh, you know he's got a huge following tesla has a huge following and um you know the, the company i mean when when i lived in california and, and started at square i mean it's like half the cars are electric and then 80% of those are Teslas. It's crazy. So, um, uh, and those numbers are really hard data that I researched, uh, and are definitely accurate. Um, not, not definitely not just my feeling on things, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if that, if that's the new, if that's the new world, I mean, create great products and, and have, um, you know, have people kind of fall in love with them. That's, that's kind of Square's thing. Um, we always, we always forever, I'm using we very liberally, but uh, we always focus on product first, seller first, um, and, and enhancing that experience as much as possible. Cause we know if we get the seller happy and in love with our product and in love with, uh, you know, the time it gives back to them or the easiness, you know, the, the ease that it gives back to them um, and, and the time they're saving, they're going to go tell 10 other small business owners that they know about it. Um, and that's, more valuable than anything we can do from a marketing perspective, um, you know, as that as that really just sort of um, you know spreads out between the small business community. I really love how you have taken that approach on social, and and I know you you talk a lot about the storytelling and about just these amazing stories about even just people hugging you and crying, you know, and and just talking about how they've revolutionized their business. How do you then convey all of this on social? Because there's so many storytelling opportunities. I mean, even just going back to what you were saying, like in my personal day, I mean, before mm-hmm. before the COVID times, you know, I would encounter Square three, four times a day, like my hairdresser, the local ice cream shop, you know, it's it's it really is everywhere. And there's so many great personal stories. So how do you bring the best of that out on social? Uh, well, first of all, Anna, thank you for supporting local independent businesses. Uh, we we appreciate that. Uh, you know, whether they're square sellers or not, we appreciate that. Um, telling the stories of our sellers on social is uh, is you know I can't even say it's it's uh, something that isn't so obvious that uh, uh, anybody wouldn't have come to the conclusion that this is what we needed to do. Like, I I came in from day one and I just looked at what we had right, and we had. Um, I mean, at that point, probably 20 or 30% of the products that we have now that the the catalog has exploded. But, um, you know, we had a bunch of products, really, really attractive hardware, which also is super helpful for for me as a social person. Um, You know, and then I I noticed very, very quickly that uh, the businesses that use Square... Um, were tagging us in their Instagram posts. They're they're not cropping out the cash register from their photos of their business because it looks good on their counter, right? It's like this uh, elegant hardware actually helps. It fits their aesthetic. It's like just a thing that doesn't look like a big bulky cash register. It's it's um, you know it's sitting there uh, and and it just it just sort of blends in and it's really sleek and looks really nice and makes them feel very professional. And that's the other thing that uh, that that really comes through. Um, and you know, so I'm like, all right, we have to we have to just lean in on this. I mean, we have millions of sellers. Uh, and that is endless content. And for any any social, any content person, um, that's what you need. You need endless content. And uh, you know, the job is never done. Content creation literally goes on forever. Um, you're never. It's never finished. You can always do more, and you'll always need more. Um, and uh, you know, once once I came in and realized, okay, 
we have to go find these stories and every seller has a story. Every seller can be profiled or featured um, by us. And we just try to find like a little bit of a unique aspect to their business, whether it's, you know, if it's a, if it's a restaurant or some kind of food place, like, do they have something unique on their menu? What, what was their founding story? Uh, do they give back to the community? Is there some kind of, uh, you know, um, like charitable angle to, to their business? Um, and, you know, we've seen, we've seen everything from, you know, a restaurant in Knoxville that, um, you know, takes, takes, uh, you know, food at the end of the day and, and, and donates to homeless shelters. We've seen, uh, salons in, in Portland that, uh, were, I think one of the first, if, if not the first to, um, cut hair based on the hair length and not gender, uh, like all these different things that are, that are um, just so special that you don't see from large, huge corporations. And, um, you know, it just, there's so much character in small businesses and just having that come through because they are real, they are real people. Uh, you forget about there, there are these little mom and pops. They put their entire lives into this thing, um, that we kind of take for granted, right? We go and get coffee in the morning, but it's like someone is literally, uh, you know, doing everything in their power, uh, to make that business succeed and make that. And it's their house is tied up in it. Their family's tied up in it. Every, you know, the kids are working behind the counter. Like this is like, part of what the American dream is, I think, uh, you know, and, um, that sort of, that sort of was the kernel of the idea that led us to some of our, our, our storytelling, uh, at square. And we do that in a, in a micro level, but then at a macro level too. So the micro is, you know, there's a post on Instagram about a seller. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's a general story. There's probably, uh, you know, not something insanely, um, you know, deep or, or very powerful about it. Just every business deserves, a, you know, a little bit of time in the sun. Um, and, uh, you know, but then when we find sellers and businesses that are really special, um, then, then we go and we try to give them a, you know, sort of a larger treatment. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, the stories that you are able to find are really genuinely beautiful. And I think going back to exactly what you said about showcasing the humans behind the business and just a friendly reminder, again, everybody, please shop and support local, especially now <laughs> during COVID times, it's more important than ever to support your local businesses. Please, yes, um, but I think, you know, going, going back to what you were saying about, you know, finding these stories, you have a big job ahead of you now with COVID because you already have a very small team and you're the one who's wearing multiple hats. I don't know if people caught that at the beginning, but you are finding stories, you are shooting, you are editing, you're wearing multiple different hats. So what does that look like now finding these stories and how are you telling them now with sort of these crazy times we're living in? Uh, yeah, it's, um, things have really changed, uh, obviously for, for everyone and, and for us to, uh, you know, it's changed everyday life and it's changed work life. It's changed everything. So, um, Pre-COVID, uh, what we were doing this year, we 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 came into the year really putting a focus on um, uh, sourcing higher quality, uh, you know, the, more the highest quality, I should say, the highest quality content that we possibly could, uh, without putting a huge uh, strain on on uh, Nat and myself, on you know our our team, our small small team, uh, small but mighty. Um, and you know, we said, how can we how can we do that? And and we often will take a trip to a city, uh, line up a bunch of seller visits, and and you know visit maybe five to 10, uh, different businesses in a couple days, uh, shoot photos, uh, conduct interviews, um, sometimes shoot video and, and, and do interviews on video. Um, and you know, create, create the content, come back get the photos retouched and, and build the stories. And, and that's kind of how we can generate a, a bunch of content for a month or two. Um, and we said, you know what, that's, that's a lot on us. How do we, how do we scale this though? Um, and we came into the year, uh, really, deciding that we were going to put a, uh, some money aside to uh, hire photographers uh, to uh, make photos in 
their cities um, with businesses that are actually in their communities. So um, we started it as a, a bit of a pilot for Black History Month. Uh, we hired uh, black photographers in four different cities um, to, uh, you know, again, visit businesses that we we coordinated, set them up with based on photographers' aesthetic and style, and then the the business, what it looks like, who, who the person is. We tried to we, we tried to play matchmaker a bit there, um, and we weren't there, uh, and it was just a facilitation of. Um, you know, making sure the seller was okay with being featured in this way and, and conducting an interview, which which we did uh, ourselves. Um, but then the photography, we'd have photographers show up and uh, you know make photos with them and 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 deliver them. So we had uh, black photographers shooting black sellers, uh, and and uh, you know uh, we were able to do storytelling around black owned businesses for for Black History Month. It all seems very obvious, right? Right when you say it and think about it, um, but I don't think the hiring black creators thing is a thing that people are thinking about. I think they are now a, a bit more. Um, but even back in January, six months ago, uh, you know, people aren't thinking about it quite the same way as they are now. And that and that's great. We need to obviously do more of that. Um, and then we followed that up into March with Women's Month, hiring women photographers, shooting women-owned businesses. And like that this was sort of the thing we were going to be doing for the year. Uh, we got about halfway through in March, obviously, and and then everything kind of shut down. Um, so we have some of those uh, stories and sellers and photos just sort of sitting on the shelf waiting waiting for their, um, you know, sort of moment. Um, and while we were all in lockdown, uh, you know, uh, uh, a couple of guys, Nelson Murray and Evan Grohl on, on, our, on our, studio, our studio team, our video team, um, Right after the, the the shutdown, and right after New York and New Jersey really started getting slammed toward the uh, toward the end of March, um, they came to me, and I was I was trying to figure out what this playbook is, and and trying to figure out what we're supposed to do here. There there is no there is no playbook for this. We, I can't just flip to the pandemic tab in in the uh, in the, in the strategy and figure out what to do. Um, and I was turning down people left and right. I was really protective of the channels. I didn't want to come across as tone deaf. I didn't want to come across as um, sticking our nose where it shouldn't be. Realizing our and recognizing our role as a, you know first and foremost a, a piece of technology that helps businesses um, but then on the other side our customers our sellers were being adversely affected by this uh, you know they were being forced to close down people were were uh, you know forced to stay in their homes and not patronize the sales were going way down um, so what we did at square I mean more broadly not me but um, uh, what square started doing was just building products to help them get through this so we launched uh, really really light online store um, capabilities that that sellers could create with curbside pickup and local delivery options like all this stuff that just looked like contactless delivery like all this kind of stuff that um, that we were able to build to help them get through this um, but then on on the content side uh, the the two guys from the video team I mentioned earlier um, came to me and they said, "Hey, like we we should be interviewing sellers um, and and telling their stories." And I was super hesitant in that moment because I didn't want it to feel like ambulance chasing. I didn't want it to feel like exploitative at at all. Um, and the way the way we ended up doing it and the way they pitched it to me, um, you know, they, they sold me on it and it, and it turned out to be something that, um, not only did we do on social for three months, which was, uh, which is audio stories. So basically we, we interviewed sellers over the phone, recorded those interviews and then, and then cut them into short snippets for, for social. Um, uh, and then we created a voicemail line so sellers could call into the voicemail line and leave their story on the voicemail uh, to generate more stories. Um, and that kind of puts the onus back on them, right? We're not like emailing them or cold calling them and asking them if they want to participate. It's like it's like a you know it's a, it's an absolute uh, opt in uh, versus versus pushing toward them. Um, and we we generated beautiful stories and really powerful stuff. And um, the unique thing about this is is that. 
uh, every city, every community, every state was experiencing this a little bit differently, especially through April and May. Uh, so, you know, you had uh, a seller in Detroit um, who had a mandatory state shutdown and could only do, you know, couldn't even be open in their store. So they were doing only online orders and all this stuff, but couldn't, couldn't maybe couldn't do the fulfillment like they could before and a lot of complications. But then, um, you, you know, Arizona or, or another state that hadn't had a, you know, an issue yet with, with COVID like the rest of the country wasn't shut down. And, and the sellers there, like we sort of saw it as, Hey, if sellers in Detroit and New York and New Jersey, and, and at that point, New Orleans, if they could almost like heed a warning, uh, to the rest of the country and the rest of the business owners on like, Hey, this is coming. Uh, most likely this is coming. Um, now playing Monday morning quarterback, it's coming. Um, but at that point, this is probably coming. Here's what we're doing to survive. Here's what we're doing to deal with this. Here's what we're, here's the moves we're making, the tools we're using, the things we're doing to, um, to make sure that we can continue this business. Uh, that was really powerful for us. And, um, the audio concept, didn't require us to leave our houses. Uh, we have in-house editors that were able to cut all this stuff and create it all. Um, I conducted phone interviews. We used simple apps that were, that were recording, um, you know, the, the phone calls. Um, and, and we were able to build this really, really beautiful content. And, um, you know, if you go to our Instagram, we're just, we're just at square. Um, you can see it all. And, and, um, every other post for the last four months has, has pretty much has been an, an audio story with it, with a different seller in a different city. Um, and we're actually, <laughs> we're actually turning that into a larger brand campaign that launches next week. So, um, that's, uh, you know, the, the concept of audio is just going to be the, the, the string that's getting us through everything. So, um, that's how we've pivoted for COVID. And, um, I'm really, really, really looking forward to getting back to normal, uh, whatever normal is, I think we're going to end up with a new normal, but, um, uh, I think the audio piece will stick because it's going to allow us to create content so much faster. Um, you know, like, there's a lot of things happening important right now that that I was reading about this morning, and uh, you know, I it my first thing now is like I want to reach out to sellers in Portland and ask them how they're doing, uh, and 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 see if they want to share what they're what they're experiencing, what they're seeing, how they're surviving, um, and how they're how they're dealing with this. Um, so it's it's been a um, here here I am this very long winded answer, but that's how that's how we've dealt with COVID. Let me just put a period at it right there. Nick, that is that is so impressive, um, and I think you are right on the leading edge of what I think marketers and communicators are realizing as it relates to the speed at which we need to create content, the timeliness and the perishability of, of content in this new normal and looking for new ways of, of creating it. And that hotline idea is, is, is pure genius. I want to ask a question uh, that I know a lot of our listeners are, are wrestling with as well. And it was a question that they wrestled with pre-COVID, but I think post-COVID, uh, it's, it's been something I think important too. You talk a lot about the the, the kind of balance of, of of content targeted towards your, your your sellers, your merchants, and the and the users or or the payers. And I'm curious how you kind of reconcile that, or if you have kind of clear direction, you need to be really focusing on 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 the merchants and and the sellers versus the payers. And a bigger question, though, Nick, is, is that changed since COVID? Have you said, okay, we need to pivot a little bit more towards one particular audience than another? Another organization may call this consumers versus customers, but right. for you, it's, it's payers and sellers. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, in a really, uh, we're in a really interesting spot where, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I suppose the only other, um, you know, I'm sure there's more. I, my, my singular mind is just making me think of, of sort of payment processors and, and point of sale companies. But, um, you know, we're a B2B company at, at you know, 
at the start. Um, but there are more consumers that use our products from the other side of the transaction uh, than our actual sellers. I mean, uh, you know, Anna, you mentioned you hit five different Square sellers in, in, in a day. Like that's that's you using our product five times a day uh, when each one of those sellers is just one per is just one seller. So um, it, it's really interesting, and and we always we we're always talking to our sellers. We're always talking to the business owner first um, with like a sort of lightly veil of like please support small businesses, please shop local, please, you know, support independent owned businesses. Um, since COVID though, there's been, uh, that the sort of ratios on how we've, we've kind of grappled with those two messages and it, and they work together. I, I shouldn't say grappling. That's not the right word, but, um, you know, that the, the, it's sort of, it's sort of like seesawed a little bit where we are encouraging consumers to support and shop and stay local, uh, because the sellers need it so much right now, um, that, uh, you know, we, we don't usually talk directly to consumers, but we've taken this time to really do that. So, um, you know, we've, we've been encouraging every single day through COVID, uh, through Instagram stories. Um, you can go, I'm, I'm sure there's one live now, if there's not, uh, 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 Nat on my team handles those, she collects every single day, uh, uh, basically people submitting small businesses in their towns that are open right now that you can go support. And we share those to our story to just amplify those. So um, every single day or close to every single day, um, we are creating Instagram stories that are basically just showing people a bunch of small businesses and most of whom you can buy things online as well. So it's not just a local play. It's a national play. I can support a, a business in Idaho if I wanted to in Boise. Um, uh, and that's what we're doing every day as well. Um, and, and that is encouraging not only small businesses to submit themselves or another business they know, but also consumers to kind of see that activity and then say, okay, I love this business in my town. I love that everyone should support them. Uh, everyone knows someone that, that either is involved with a, sm a small business or, um, uh, you know, or, or owns one themselves. Um, and, and one other thing too, Adam, that, that we, um, that we do, um, that is a little bit of a superpower, we don't have a huge budget, uh, my team specifically. Uh, but what we what we use that budget for, uh, you know, previously we were using a, a chunk of it to hire those photographers, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, but since COVID, and we're not hiring photographers right now, obviously, um, we we've taken that budget and we are uh, funneling it back into the content, and we're sharing, you know, a seller story from someone in Atlanta, um, a business in Atlanta, and we're sharing that obviously nationally, and then we're promoting that locally to only people in Atlanta. So we're driving community engagement and support for those sellers in their own cities. Um, so instead of us sharing something on Instagram or, or, or Twitter and then promoting it nationally and saying, look at us, we're supporting small business. We're saying, hey, Atlanta, go support so-and-so. Um, you know, uh, they are open. They need your help. Here's their story. Here's where they are. If you don't know them, please discover them and go patronize their business. Um, and that's like, a, there's two things for me. One, it's how we can really take every dollar we get and stretch it and make it really impactful. But B, it's also a huge, huge brand play because we are literally saying, go support them. It's not about us. It's never about us on my channels. Um, and, uh, you know, the only time it is like, Hey, we launched a new product, but even that it's about the sellers being able to use that and awareness around that. Um, and that has been a, we've unlocked that as, as a bit of a superpower. And, um, you know, we could spend 500 bucks and get 200 positive comments of people saying, Oh, I can't wait to go there. I didn't know. I didn't even know about this place. I live right around the block, like things like that, that are just, it gives you, um, you know, it just warms your heart in a, in a way that like nothing else is right now. So, <laughs> um, you know, just having that little thing is really something you can hold on to. 
I think uh, superpower is an understatement. Um, I think you and your team have an just a, an, a beautiful approach to telling stories. I know we've been talking a lot about telling stories, but we would be so remiss if we didn't touch on sort of the, there's a lot of parallels happening here with a campaign that you had done fairly recently about Flint. And, you know, you had mentioned sort of this concept of the new normal and we're all getting used to this and businesses are sort of having to come out the other side of a lot of massive struggles right now. And it's actually something that you and your team are familiar with in terms of storytelling because you did a massive and beautiful campaign around businesses in Flint. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be and and some of the results of it because they're really, really beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, this is the the project I'm most proud of uh, for sure uh, since I've been at Square. It really is something that uh, allowed me to stretch and and push. Um, you know, uh, not just social, not just digital, uh, but video, photography, like just just sort of everything that goes into content creation. I was able to kind of be part of the team producing all that um, in a way that almost made me forget about my own channels for a while, which was which was kind of nice, like being in a different place. Um, but yeah, I, I just had this. Um, you know, we we had a uh, you know a series at at, at Square, a, a short video series um, called Dreams, and and uh, you know it was basically just finding and 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 telling the stories of of people who are achieving their dreams in in whatever way they define that uh, you know whatever that is. So um, we've we've produced uh, you know a, a, a series of short films, and um, we were sort of brainstorming and thinking around wh- where can we go next, what should we do next, what kind of story can we tell. And, uh, you know, I just, I just thought about in, in talking to so many sellers, the, the sort of plight of the business owner and the, the, the struggle and that sort of daily hustle and, 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 you know, things, um, that they deal with anyway, uh, you know, I thought about, uh, well, what are the businesses in Flint, Michigan dealing with, uh, you know, how are they dealing with a water crisis on top of all those regular, uh, regular challenges that businesses have? So, um, you know, everybody sort of knows the story of Flint, um, you know, th- well, the story that the story that they know, right? Like the, the water crisis, the, the downturn, the, the factories leaving, you know, used to be vehicle city. Now it's just this sort of, uh, you know, skeleton of what it once was, but, um, there are, amazing people there doing incredible things to rebuild the town. And, um, you know, they, they had GM leave and, uh, they don't want GM to come back or, or any other big corporation like that. They want, you know, a thousand businesses that have three jobs each versus uh, a single business that'll provide a thousand jobs, uh, because it, it burned them before. And, um, you know, we went there and that was the concept. The concept was, Hey, tell us, Tell us how the water, uh, you know, the the difficulties with water in in Flint um, ha- are also, you know, this other additional challenge you have as a business owner in Flint. And we got there, and and you know, we did some pre interviews and things, and and they said, listen, we don't, we're we're sick. Can I curse? It, 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 can I curse? We're fucking sick of talking about the water. That's <laughs> that's what they said. They're they're like, we don't want to talk about the water anymore. They're like, we're doing really great things here. Like, I understand, you know, they're like, I understand what you guys are trying to do and we appreciate it. And yes, it is a challenge, but like we're doing great things and and that's the story we want people to know. You know, we always get painted um, you know, in the media and 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 people that are are telling stories about Flint, it's always doom and gloom, it's always bad. Um, you can kind of hear that right in the beginning of the film we created. Um, but we went there and we profiled and met with a bunch of businesses downtown and um, you know, don't let me paint Flint in, in any way that it's not. I think I think the only uh sort of surprising thing for people is that 
downtown Flint is, is kind of bustling and it's, and it's built up and um, there's a lot of great small businesses and there's like a feel downtown and, and um, you know, there's an energy that, um, you know, is really great. I've, I've been there three or four times now. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Flint still has its issues, uh, you know, across the board outside of downtown is still, it's still in rough shape and uh, the water isn't completely fixed yet. And um, you know, that's still a thing that they live with every day and it's incredible that they still are. Um, but the things they're doing to rebuild their own city downtown and the pride that they have in that town, um, you know, and, and, and in that city, they could have, a lot of them could have left, a lot of them could have went on to, to other places, but they said, no, let me stay here and, uh, you know, rebuild this city that I grew up in, that I love. Um, and they're, they're opening businesses. The, the barrier to entry is so low there. Um, you know, you can rent a storefront, buy a building at like, it just, it's ripe for people to, to, um, you know, start businesses and, and, uh, generate revenue. So, um, we went and, you know, we, we, uh, we worked with, uh, you know, we worked with a bunch of people to help us create, uh, that content. And, um, we went to Flint and, and profiled a, a handful of business owners, created uh, a short film. It's about eight minutes. Um, you can see it on our, our, our YouTube channel, um, you know, search, square uh, the film is called forged in flint um you can search that and and you'll sort of get it everywhere and um uh it's a really beautiful film and you kind of you kind of feel the the fight that they that they go through every day and it's um you know a positive story about flint that that we don't often see and that was um what i was especially proud of because they were proud of it uh you know the people in flint that we talked to they they said you know we don't see things like this about flint every time we see flint in the news we we cover our eyes because we know it's going to be something really bad uh, and and this was something that that um you know they gave us hope for flint and and we gave them a little bit of hope as well when uh you know when we created this and shared their story uh, with everyone um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm super proud of it. It's, it's something that, um, allowed me to write paper edits and, and write a script and take part in the editing process and, and see a film, you know, a short film go from concept to creation, uh, sitting in the editing suite, like doing all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, I wrote part of the script and like, you know, a lot of things, um, well, I'm using script very loosely. It was a paper edit based on the interview transcripts. We didn't script anything, but, um, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we were a finalist at Tribeca. Um, we, we, uh, were a Webby honoree. Uh, we won a couple telly awards. Like it's just gotten the recognition and continued um, to, to surface this good news story about Flint. And uh, that was really important to me and um, really important to a lot of other people at Square. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you for asking about that. I, I will echo Anna's uh, thoughts on this. This It was extremely, it is extremely powerful. Um, and I, it was so appropriate for your brand. Um, and it's, it's one of those kind of unexpected things, I think for, for all of us and, and probably a little bit for, for you. My question is, I kind of want to get to the origin of that because I think so many of us are, are like you, Nick, journalism background. We all have this, this urge to, to tell stories like this. We all have this urge to, to, to do a documentary uh, so to speak. And you found a way to do it. You found a way to do it that was appropriate to your brand and, and did it with, with professionalism and humility that was, that was, that, that told the accurate story. How did you get this vetted and how did you get your senior leaders to kind of say, okay, yeah, We'll let you take a crew to uh, to Flint, Michigan. We'll we'll let you do this. We'll let you take a, a you know quite a bit of time. I can only imagine because you, you watch it and, and you know that. How did you get it approved? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> um, 
it's a it's a longer story than we have time for i think <laughs> but i'll uh i'll you know i'll sum it up basically that our our pitch was very strong uh we had precedent already because we had created uh several of these films um so it it, it fell in line with um you know it, it was a little bit of a different uh you know a topic or, or or subject um but uh uh but we, yeah, we had a strong pitch and, um, you know, we, we pitched up the ladder as, as far as we needed to, to, to get the money greenlit to, um, to actually go shoot the project. Uh, and, and from there, we just kind of ran away with it, uh, and, and did what we needed to do with the money that we had. And, and this was, you know, this was, this was done on budget. We didn't, we don't spend a, a whole lot on these, on, on these films. I mean, uh, you know, some of them, some of them we spend more than others. And, uh, you know, the, the longer ones obviously, uh, require more editing time and, and, and different things, more, more days of shooting. Uh, but this, this one was, was, uh, you know, it's only eight minutes. I think our longest one is over 20 minutes. Um, so this one was definitely done, uh, you know, and, it, with with less budget required than the rest um but uh the storytelling and the team at square that that does this right we have an incredible uh, studio team um that 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 creates these beautiful films and and uh you know produces this amazing work um you know the the faith is already there and that's that's one thing about square too that uh you know i can say more broadly uh for anyone that is is looking for a place to work please please look at our job board um it's a it's a it's a great place and um there's a lot of trust that goes around you don't need to um you know uh as long as there is money to be had um if you have a good idea and and uh you know you'll you'll be trusted to 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 spend it wisely and, and spend it in a way that, um, is, is going to help the brand, but also, um, you know, help sellers tell stories that are important. And this was part of a, you know, part of a trial. Um, the whole, the whole dream series was, was like a pilot, was like a long pilot program that we, uh, you know, one film at a time had to keep, uh, sort of, sort of, uh, pitching and, and, and getting buy-in for, but, um, the, you know, the results have sort of spoken for themselves and, um, you know, Flint just keeps at this point coming back. I mean, we shot it, we shot it almost two years ago at this point. Point. Um, it came out last year uh, on the uh, fifth anniversary of the of the Flint water crisis. Um, we 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 released it that day, um, and uh, you know it was, it was just something that we were able to kind of show the um, the impact that it had. Uh, not only for us, like you know, winning awards for something is just a selfish way to say like I did something cool uh, and I did something that was worthwhile. Uh, but to have the people in Flint be so proud of this that they screen it at their summer festival on Main Street, uh, the Saginaw Street, and in, in, in Flint on a on a on a big screen on a stage like that is powerful. And uh, you know, I was I was uh, I was in Flint for that, and you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, tears running down my face like this. You know, you would think I you think I was from there, and I'm not. Uh, but uh, um, selling in the, the feeling and, and the, the story more than anything. And as soon as people started being introduced to the characters, we were, and I say characters, the sellers we were working with, the real people that we were working with, um, you know, the, the characters in our film, uh, you know, you, it, it's really hard to deny uh, at that point um, or, or, or tell anyone to stop at that point. And um, we've, had, we've had strong seller characters like that through all these films. And uh, you just fall in love with these people. And, and um, you, know, you realize the things they go through uh, and, and how hard they fight for their livelihood and, and, for, their, and for this, that their community, their town, they all work together. They all know each other. Uh, they're, all, they're all tied together in this effort to, to elevate Flint and to bring Flint back to, to the thing that they knew growing up. Um, and, uh, once we were able to kind of take that and, and message that internally, it, it was, it was over. I love it. I, I'm inspired. I think all of our listeners are inspired. 
Nick DiMacchino, social media lead at Square, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing how you tell stories, these amazing, beautiful stories. Everybody go follow Square, go look at these amazing stories, get inspired, bring them to your bosses, to your higher ups and say, look at what we can do too, um, because it's a great uh, example to set for everybody. Uh, Nick, before we let you go though, we of course have to ask you the final two questions that we have asked all 438 <laughs> guests of this show. Adam, I actually looked it up this time because every single 438. episode. 438. Wow. Every single time we get to this point of the show, we guess, but it's 438. So are you ready, Nick, for your final two questions? Of course. Of course. All right. So first question, what is the one piece of advice that you would like to give somebody who wants to be a social pro? Uh, it's a, uh, it's an interesting thing. I thought, I, I thought a lot about this one and, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I was thinking about my own, my own sort of career trajectory and, and how things have worked out for me. And, uh, uh, and at times didn't work out for me. Um, but the thing that, the thing that I can say that, uh, helped me and, and I think will help anyone is just to like do as much as you can. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean like, um, that doesn't mean creating more content and doing, but, but getting outside of it and, and, you know, helping pitch a film and, and producing and, and editing things and learning how to shoot photo, you know, you know, learning how to take photography, you know, uh, shoot photography and, and take photos. Um, and, uh, and, and just, making yourself so, so well-rounded that you can just be this content machine because everything else, you'll kind of find what you like to do. Um, and while you're doing all that, you know, on top of all the normal social stuff, like being extremely online and paying attention and understanding trends and, and, you know, you know, working on your writing and all that stuff. Um, but just like constantly biting off more than you can chew and just figuring it out. Um, because you will get out the other side and lean on people that are smarter than you in, in, in different areas. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just, just make yourself a more well-rounded marketer and, and a more well-rounded professional overall. Um, and that, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything, uh, before I started at square pretty much. I knew about social and that was it. Um, and now I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I, I shoot photography myself. Um, you know, I can, I can retouch photography to, to an extent. I'm not, I'm not like the, the good folks we have at square, but, um, just sort of those, those, those little things, like just bite off more than you can chew, I guess. I like that. And I think you're a, you're a great representation of that, uh, in, in all of that you've done, uh, there at square congratulations you. on your, uh, on your success. Nick, last question for you. Uh, if you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be and why? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I thought about this one a bit too. And, uh, without, without getting political, I would just want to talk to Obama for a while. <laughs> um, I, I often find myself, uh, watching videos or listening to podcasts of him because his voice just soothes me in a weird <laughs> way. Um, so I think like at the end of a long day or long week or long month or long quarter, like we've had, uh, you know, through a pandemic, just chatting with him for a while and just basically letting him talk me to sleep would be, uh, would be like, he could read the, he could read the dictionary if he wants. Uh, yeah. but just, just something just <laughs> reminds me of different times and, uh, make, make, you know, makes me a little, uh, makes me a little bit more, uh, happy and warm inside. So, um, yeah, we'll go with Barack Obama. I think it's a safe one. Can I yeah. crash that call? 
Yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. Too. I'll 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 live stream it and we'll we'll share it after. Thank we you. all need a little cool, calm, and collected right now. Yes, yes, and just the, that that soothing nature he has, uh, you know, um, would would be uh, welcomed by me, and I think uh, a lot by by many others right now. So. <laughs> Love it. Well, Nick, thank you so much again for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you here. Everybody, again, go follow Square, follow Nick. That's Nick DiMacchino, social media lead at Square. Um, until next time, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in from what we hope is your favorite podcast ever, Social Pros. Social Pros.